biddy bum biddy bum etc etc good afternoon to you uh here we are again campus classics with myself kevin power until one o'clock now then uh romeo and juliet are uh, you know the kind of famous people in the west in russia ruslan and ludmilla are the uh, famous lovers and uh, mikhail Glinka, a great Russian composer, one of the mighty handful of five nationalist composers back in the 19th century, wrote an opera all about them. And uh, it's a beautiful little bit of music, and we are going to kick off the program with it today. Ruslan and Ludmilla. Thank you. 
How about that then? The Overture to the Opera Ruslan and Ludmilla by Mikhail Glinka. Ah, gosh, that was really stirring stuff. That was the Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra conducted by Esa Pekka Salonen. Imagine saying that after a couple of pints. Whoops, not politically correct to say that sort of thing, but there you go. Now, we're returning home here uh, to the work of the cellist uh, and composer uh, Alva MacDonagh. And um, she uh, has uh, come out with a few very interesting albums. And one of them is It's a Cello Thing, where she shows exactly uh, why she is much in demand as a soloist on the cello. Um, the only th- slight problem I have with with um, the uh, the album is that um, we 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 don't get the name of the pianist who is um, in the background of uh, her work on the cello. But we'll we'll have to get over that. Anyhow, uh, the name of the piece uh, we are going to hear is Scherzo, and uh, Scherzo is the Italian word which comes from German Scherz, which means a joke. And uh, not so much a joke as in ha-ha, but uh, something which is light-hearted and uh, sort of entertaining, interesting and well put together. So this is the cello scherzo uh, by Alva McDonough and played by that lady herself.
And that was the cello piece Scherzo, uh, the Opus 12 by Alva McDonough. And um, as I say, you'll find that in the album It's a Cello Thing. Now, um, we are moving from uh, the cello to the piano. And um, it's very interesting if you follow up a line of thought and a question that has, you know, just popped into your mind. And um, some time ago, I was saying to myself, I wonder how many uh, Irish composers have uh, written for the piano, um, either uh, as a solo instrument uh, on its own or with uh, perhaps a piano sonata with... uh, other uh, instruments, and uh, then I thought, I wonder how many piano concertos, or if anybody wants to be a purist, concerti, uh, have been written uh, by Irish uh, composers. And uh, John Field came to mind straight away, Uh, Philip Martin came to mind, and uh, then I came across this gentleman called Philip Hammond. And um, I must confess, I, I hadn't heard of him. Um, but he had apparently, without my knowing it, done a lot of uh, composing and playing. And uh, anyway, I said, uh, oh, let's, let's check this out. So um, I went to uh, Spotify and I found there his um, piano concerto, his first one, and um, the... Uh, Description of the first movement was fast, rhythmic, and accented. And I said, well, normally you just get something like allegro, which means fast, or moderato, which means moderate. And I thought, gosh, that sounds interesting. So um, I uh, played it, and I, well, I didn't play it, but you know what I mean. I uh, sort of touched the button, and it played, and I was absolutely stunned this was really good stuff uh really rhythmic really fast really accented and uh, at the end of it i was sort of uh, almost breathless with um, all the fireworks and the gymnastics that were performed by uh, the pianist as well as uh, by the orchestra so uh, this is the first movement of philip hammond's piano concerto number one Uh, The soloist is Michael McHale, and um, Courtney Lewis is conducting the RTE National Symphony Orchestra. So uh, buckle up and hold on to your hats for this one.
Right then. Leaves you pretty well breathless, that does. That was the first uh, movement of the piano concerto uh, by Philip Hammond, uh, Michael McHale, the soloist, and Courtney Lewis conducting the RTE National Symphony Orchestra, as it was then. Um, it put me in mind of um, a critic's comment about Tchaikovsky's uh, piano concertos. Um, he said, uh, it's Sounds always, when Tchaikovsky writes for piano and orchestra, the piano represents the individual and uh, his battle against the system, um, which is represented by the orchestra. And uh, it is a battle which uh, is almost a dead heat by the end, in which the individual has not been defeated, but the orchestra has not totally won um, either. So it's it's very, very interesting there that comes to mind, as I say, listening to that piece of work by Philip Hammond. Now, um, one of the things um, we like to do on the programme here is uh, play something uh, entertaining, amusing, um, comic, and uh, Flanders and Swan um, are usually pretty good for that. Their songs are tried and tested through the last 40, 50, nearly 60 years now. But um, today I'm going to play a piece uh, by uh, Flanders, which has nothing whatever to do with song uh, or music. But uh, it is uh, a beautiful little satire on Wimbledon. Now, you've probably all watched Wimbledon or you watched some tennis tournament and you watch the umpire sitting up there, sort of, uh, you know, sort of the little god who can decide the fate of one player or the other. And the name of this particular piece is Tried by the Centre Court. Now, of course, you'll get the little joke there, the Centre Court uh, and a trial I'll say no more. I'll hand you over there to um, Flanders himself for Wimbledon, as you possibly never imagined it could be. (laughs) Wimbledon, June, ladies' singles, third round. Ball boys are bounding all over the ground. Play started at two and we're still on the rack. It's a quarter to five and they've hardly begun. A perfect defense meets a perfect attack. <laughs> Miss L. Hammerfest meets Miss J. Hunter Dunn. Game to Miss Hunter Dunn. Miss Hammerfest leads by two games to one in the third set. Having won the first by 18 games to 16, <laughs> lost the second, 25-27. I never liked tennis. Damn silly name of the game with its volleys and lubs and all that. The first time I umpired was June 36. I didn't think much of it then. Just rather fancied myself in the hat. (laughs) Since when I have umpired again, and again, and again. 
And year after year, as I've sat on court after court, I've been struck by the thought, they are bashing a ball with the gut of a cat. <laughs> what a sport. You may think it's tedious seen from down there. It's ludicrous seen from above. Fifteen, love. Keeping my eye firmly fixed on the ball, hoping the linesman will know what to call. Fifteen all, as each long drawn out point puts my neck out of joint. What a job, set after set. Oh, the relief when you get the occasional lob. Ah. <laughs> Till they smash it. Oh, dash it. Forty, fifteen. What does it all mean? Forty, a fifteen. Why thirty, fifteen? Why forty, fifteen? What I mean said, I just said one, nothing, two, nothing, three, nothing, and game. Do just the same. Some of the older debenture holders be bound to get shirty. Forty, thirty. Now the spectators are trickling out. There's thunder about with luck it'll rain. That ought to reduce. Deuce! Half of me bored. Net cord. The other, the other half nervous. First service. Wish it were dinner. Thank God a winner. Vantage Miss Hammerfest. Bonk. Bink. Bonk. Bink. Drives you to drink. Sitting up here, I'm obsessed with the fear of getting it wrong. Everyone else will be going bonk, bink. I shall be going bink, bonk. Oh, do get it over with. What is the use? Well, we're back again. Deuce. Wimbledon, June, ladies' singles, third round. Groundsmen are asked, how's the state of the ground? Players are photographed, jumping the nets. Here sits a figure one always forgets. The umpire, upon whom the sun never sets. <laughs> So as I say, the next time you're uh, watching uh, a tennis tournament, take a look at the umpire and uh, imagine what he or she may be privately thinking. That was um, Flanders there, um, the uh, one of the Flanders and Swan uh, variety. Okay, uh, Le Chemin de l'Amour, uh, the avenues of the, the pathways of love, is a waltz song by uh, Francis Poulenc, a song here by Barbara Hendricks, um, and uh, it's uh, accompanied by Love Der Darlinger. And uh, basically it is uh, a memory of walking a pathway and thinking back on the person that uh, they were there with, and it ends with the mighty line of that uh, whatever I think about the pathway, it always finishes up with me thinking of your burning hands on me and me surrendering beautifully to you. Nobody does it quite like Francis Poulenc, and uh, this is it. Chemin 
Francis Poulenc, The Pathways of Love, there, sung by Barbara Hendricks and accompanied by Love Derringer at the piano. Well, there's an Irish version of that, not of that particular song, but of that particular uh, emotion of love lost and love remembered. And this is, in my opinion, is one of the best that was ever written and sung.
the search for times past contains such sweet pain I'll banish lonesome thoughts but they'll return again Andy Irvine there, the west coast of Clare. The first song that he ever wrote, and it was recorded with Planksty back in the day. Now, Gustav Mahler is the next one up. Songs of a Wayfarer. And in it, he is all happy at the start. Um, he's describing how it's a beautiful morning, the dew is on the grass, the f- sun is shining, and the finch is singing, isn't it a beautiful day? And everything is absolutely glorious in the sunshine. And then at the end comes the kick in the stomach. Nun fängt auch mein Glück wohl an. Now will my happiness begin. And then he says, nah, it won't. Um, because the girl he loves is rushing off and marrying somebody else. Well, He recycled that in a symphony, and we're going to hear both of them now. First of all, the song. Ich bin eine schöne Welt, schöne Welt. 
Great, the immortal Dietrich Fischer Dieskau, the singer there with the Bavaria Radio Symphony Orchestra conducted by Raphael Kubelik. Well, Mahler um, recycled that beautiful, cheerful, gorgeous melody in the first movement of his first symphony and um, 
is the last piece that we're going to hear today. The symphony opens with what he calls a Naturlaut. It's a sound of nature, he says, slowly waking up. And that melody that you heard, bum, 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 suddenly comes out of the sort of little haze and everything absolutely shines. It's a magnificent piece of work. It's the last piece we have for you today. Sit back and enjoy it. Thank you for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week, 12 o'clock, Wednesday, Campus Classics, with myself, Kevin Power. But for now, over to Gustav Mahler. First symphony with Mahler's friend, Bruno Walter, the conductor of the Columbia Symphony Orchestra. Mm-hmm. 